Good morning, everyone. Welcome back. Coming to you live from the CBS Community of Summerson, Philadelphia. We are continuing on this uh, lovely Friday morning, Erev Shabbos. Erev Shabbos Chazoin. Sad Shabbos. The one Shabbos that is a little bit subdued, right? One Shabbos out of the year that we do things slightly, slightly differently. And uh, as is appropriate for going to Shabbos Chazoin, we're going to continue over here with the introduction, the Medrash... Rabbah's introduction to Eicha. That's what we've been learning, so we're going to continue with that. So we are in Simon Bays already, and uh, we're up to over here, it says, Rav Huna Rav This is continuing in the introduction of Rav Abba Bar Kahana. Rav Abba Bar Kahana gave us another passage with which he used to introduce Megillus Eicha when he used to learn it together with his yeshiva, with his Tamidim. And the pasuk that he brought up yesterday was Mio Yishachachem v'Yavin Ezois Yishmoras Ela Ama of the Haaretz. Who is the wise man that can understand this? Who can figure out why the Chorban happened? Ama of the Haaretz. For what was the land lost? Why did we lose Eretz Yisrael? And the answer was Vayimra Hashem. Hashem says Al Azam Es Tayrasi. For that which you have abandoned my Torah. And yesterday we saw a very uh, scary, but a, a very very uh, relevant, a very pertinent insight. The first approach we had to Azvam is Tairasi is that Kleisel had abandoned, had neglected the base of Torah, the foundation of Torah, and that was the Seifrim and the Mashnim, those who teach Psukim, the Cheder Rabbis, those who teach Mishnais, and they weren't Machzik Tarskar, they didn't, uh, you know, pay their salaries, they didn't give them their, their, um, adequate and appropriate tuition, they neglected them, and that brought about not just Godless and exile that brought about a destruction of the settlements of Eretz Yisrael. So now, continuing in that theme, and using Torah as a central um, catalyst, the abandonment of Torah as one of the central catalysts to bring about the Churban, so we see the following. We find that HaKadosh Baruch is prepared to look the other way is prepared to overlook and ignore the three cardinal sins, the three most unforgivable acts that a Jew can do, that he has to give up his life for. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is prepared to overlook that. Avodah Zara, Hashem will sometimes look the other way. Gili Arayis, immorality. And Sheikh Hazdam, even bloodshed. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is prepared to overlook that when necessary and to bide his time and to allow us still to live in tranquility. But what does he not overlook? What is he not able to make peace with? Kaddish Baruch Hu, it is one thing that he, he, he cannot and will not overlook and cannot and will not make peace with and can't say, I'll just look the other way. That's when Klai Yisrael despises Torah. When we despise Torah, we despise learning. Now, note what he says and what he doesn't say. He's not saying that Hashem cannot overlook and Klai Yisrael just doesn't learn, you know, neglects Torah study. That's not the the uh, statement, and that's not the focus. The focus is what is Hashem not able to, not prepared, not willing to overlook. That's Moas social Torah. When Klaisol despises learning, when we despise Torah, we despise it. And this is going to be identified this morning. What we're going to see now as another root cause and catalyst for. What happened on Tishabav, the destruction of the temple, the, uh, the, the uh, ejection of Klai Yisrael from Eretz Yisrael, and the destruction of Eretz Yisrael. There's a, 
a derision and a, 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 a despising of the Torah. Shunemar. of the arts, again, the Pasuk says, Yumio questions. Why was Eretz Yisrael destroyed? Why were we thrown out and Eretz Yisrael was destroyed? Says, Rivuna, that the answer to that question is not because you guys did the Gimel Chamuras. The answer is not that you did the three cardinal sins. That's not why Eretz was destroyed and you were thrown out. Ella, al-Azum es Toirasi. Rather, the reason why Klaus was thrown out and thrown into exile is because they abandoned Hashem's Torah. Azum es Toirasi. What does that mean, Azum is Tairasi? What does it mean to to not learn? What's what's the what's the uh, you know the um, attitude towards Torah that was rampant then, prevalent and rampant that is a cause for destruction? So the Medrash makes it quite clear. Again, it's not that the attitude was that of just not learning, not making time to learn. But it was Ozvam is Tairasi, abandoning the Torah, which is also called Moasashal Torah, despising the Torah. What does it mean to abandon and to despise the Torah? That's that's a level above just like failure to learn. There's there's a problem in our, our basic attitude towards Torah study in, in the going on in that era. And we'll have to, as we continue through the measures this morning try to like pin that down and, and, and try to pinpoint what exactly that attitude is and try to figure that out for ourselves on our terms, what it means to despise Torah, what it means to abandon Torah, what exactly they were guilty of, because A, we have to figure out you know, the, the correct shot over here, what they were doing wrong, and B, we certainly want to try to rectify this, to make a tikkun. So, um, so um, let's just keep those two words in front of us, those two clues, and as we proceed in the message, I think we're going to find some more um, information that will help us out to understand what, 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 you know, with clarity. What does that mean that they abandoned the Torah? What does it mean that they despised the Torah? So let's let's proceed for now. Um, the Pasuk says, A famous statement from the Medrash, a famous Drasha from Chazal. Again, Yirmiya, on behalf of God, is lamenting the state within which Klaiso has arrived, the low levels that they have reached right before, immediately prior to the destruction of the temple and the exile. So Hashem says, look, look what's going on with Yisrael. They've abandoned me. They've left me behind. They left me. And they're not even learning Torah. They've left me behind. They're not even learning Torah. So that's a strange statement. Kind of a non sequitur. Why is it worse it's as if the Pasuk is saying, like, not only, it's like adding insult to injury, not only they've abandoned me, they're doing Avodah Zarah, and they're like OTD, big time. They're not doing any mitzvahs anymore. But you know what? They're not even opening up a Babakam anymore. They're not even sitting and learning Mishnayis anymore. Not only they've abandoned Yiddishkeit, they're not even learning Torah. It should be the other way around. Not only they're not learning Torah, but they've totally abandoned me. It would seem that the bigger affront HaKadosh Baruch Hu would be an abandonment of allegiance to God. You're not listening to his missus anymore. You're not interested anymore. You're not following the Torah. The Torah's and precepts anymore. That would seem to be the biggest affront. And it would seem to be a worse offense than not sitting and learning. Yet the Pasuk flips it around. Hashem is saying, not only they've abandoned me, they're not even learning Torah anymore. They're not sitting and learning Gemara. So says the Gemara, says the Medrash, yes indeed Hashem was saying that that's a worse offense. Hashem is saying that 
that's the final straw. And, and, and that's what's, what's utterly incriminating over here is the fact that not only they abandon me, but they're not even learning anymore. In other words, even in their state of abandonment of God and going off the derech and not keeping mitzvahs anymore, I would still be so happy that it'd still be learning. Why? Why? That you're not listening to God anymore, not keeping Shabbos, not keeping kosher. Who cares if you're learning Baba Basra? Says, says the Rebbein Yisholeilu. Halavai oisi azavu. What's he saying in this Pazig? I, I would prefer, I would actually prefer to abandon me. Go ahead, go off the derech. Don't do mitzvahs. You know, that's okay. I can, I can live with that. But v'sayrasi shamar, at least keep sitting and learning. Keep learning Torah. Keep learning. At least keep burning those fires and keep it up. Why? Why? Because Hashem wants wants apikarism that are becoming tamri chacham. Hashem wants people that that are not keeping Torah and mitzvahs to, to be able to pass kshayilus. That's a, that's a, what a terrible chil Hashem. What, what what a travesty of Torah. How can you learn and, and not keep? How can you learn all these things and not keep Torah? Why why does Hashem prefer that? Teretz is because Hashem knows what's going to happen. Torah is like a big lasso. Torah is a big hook. And Torah is always going to bring us back. Mitoich shehoyum is asking ba, says the Rebbein Shalom, if the Kleister would have at least remained connected to learning, even if they would have abandoned me, even if they would have given up Jewish practices, but if they would still be pounding away and plugging away, they'd be sitting and learning, ha-me'or The fire, the light within the Torah would have brought them back. That would have lasted them back. That would have hooked them back. Now, our very own Stan wanted to suggest this idea the other day we had in the beginning of the Medrash. We saw uh, Hashem saying, you guys, um, you know, before you sing for the, the Getschkalach, you should come sing my praises, sing in the base Medrash. Stan offered a, be- a beautiful pshat over there, which is a valid pshat over there as well, but that's mamish what the, Gemara, what the Medrash is saying over here. This idea, this idea that Hama'or Sheba Machzir Lamutav, a famous statement from Chazal, a famous statement which is that um, that uh, Torah has a power of retrieval. Torah has a power of of um, a correctional remediation, a remedial power. And you know, someone who may be doing the worst avayers in the book, and he may be like not keeping anything. But if you can get him to sit and learn, if you can get him to get expe- if you get him to get excited about learning, get him to connect with learning get him to appreciate learning Torah, then he's not beyond hope. There's hope. Not only there's hope, but if you can fan those flames, we have a reassurance from Chazal, he will come back. The Me'or Shabbat will be Machzir Lamutav. The fire, the light, excuse me, that burns there within the Torah, that will bring the person back. Now let's just understand that. Baruch Let's understand that all together. Um, why is it that, you know, Torah has this remedial power and restorative, curative power that will bring anybody back, even if they're mamish off, even if they're not keeping anything? So the answer is, you know, an idea that we've seen in Derech Hashem. We've seen this, the Ramchal's talked about this in Derech Hashem. There's a fundamental difference between Limerah Torah, learning Torah, and doing all other mitzvahs. All other mitzvahs are Torah's instructions for practices down here. A mitzvah represents the Torah telling me what to do with food and drink, what to do with my time, what to do with my scheduling, what to do with um, my business practices. A mitzvah is 
the Torah's instructions for this act and this exercise and, and, and this situation which is down here. It's down here. It's down here. A mitzvah is all about the down here. Whereas Limadat Torah, even if I'm learning, even if I'm learning um, about something that's down here, I'm learning a Gemara that discusses what bracha to make on fruits, what bracha to make on vegetables. I'm learning a Gemara that talks about, you know, complicated discussions in, in, in business practice, charging interest, not charging interest, loans, debts, all these, you know, very, very complex topics that have very much to do with things that are down here. But if I'm learning the Torah of that of, 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 of that topic, if I'm learning the Torah of that discussion, I'm connected to up there. The Torah, as, as complex as it gets, and as detailed as it gets, and as mundane as the focus of Torah gets, Torah is always connecting you directly to the essence of Hashem Himself. And the layers... Of of, uh, mon- the, of the mundane, which Torah seems to collect. You can have a discussion about, about one axe goring another axe. You can have a discussion about someone leaving uh, his, his earthenware in the middle of the street, and someone comes and, and they trip over my earthenware, they break my earthenware. Do he have to pay me? Do I have to pay him? He gets damages, I get damages. This is Torah, but it's about earthenware, it's about cattle, it's about livestock, it's about business transactions. So, yes, these are levels and layers of the mundane, but at the very core of those layers and levels, at the same time that I'm learning those layers and levels, is is pure fire, is pure energy, is HaKadosh Baruch Hu's essence that's just kind of dressed up in these layers. But at the same time that I'm sitting and learning it, I have my hand around that mug, that sugya, that discussion, that morning the Mars can be thought of as, as a coffee mug. A coffee mug. You can't bring Hashem's essence and infinitude down into this world. This world is a world of the finite. Has to show up in a vessel. That's show up in a container. So that's Shosha Nagach That's one axe going, another axe. That's the halachas of, uh, of slaughtering, the halachas of, of, of kashering. All these halachas which are very much rooted in the, in the mundane. Those are just ways of containing Hashem's essence, Hashem's energy, and Hashem's fire. But when I'm learning it, I'm holding that mug, I'm embracing that mug, I'm, I'm turning it over and over and over, looking at it from every angle, I'm holding, I'm gripping it, and I'm grappling with it, and it's filled with the infinitude of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. It's there at the same time that I'm handling that mug. On the inside, at, in the core, is Hashem's essence, so to speak, Hashem's infinitude, and somebody holds a mug that's filled with piping hot liquid, although I can't touch the liquid directly, it'll scald me. It'll, it'll melt the skin off of my finger, because it's scalding, scalding hot. But if it's in a mug, I can hold the mug, and I get the warmth from that liquid. That's Limar HaTorah. Anytime someone is learning anything, he's getting the warmth. He's getting the fire through the container, through the discussion, through the topic. But if he's learning that topic, if he's learning that discussion, if he's learning that sugya then he's in touch with Hashem's essence. He's in touch with Hashem's fire. He's in touch with Hashem's warmth. And he'll warm up. It'll warm him up. It'll jumpstart him. It'll warm 
and ignite those sparks that are there dormant in every Jew, even the most estranged, even the most disenfranchised, he has those sparks. And if I hold that warmth enough, it's gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna, it's going to, you know, spread its way to me as well. It's gonna end up warming me up. The warmth is gone from Hashem's Torah, which is at the core, inside that container, inside that mug. It goes through the mug, into my fingers, and if I learn enough, it spreads from my fingers, through my arms, to my heart itself, and that's the Ma'ar Shaba Machzir Lamutav, that's Hashem's fire, Hashem's warmth, will bring a yid back. So that's why HaKadosh Baruch was saying that, you know, I would have preferred for them to attack it to break every law in the books. Do every Aveira, do the three worst Aveiras, but don't stop learning. Please, Yidlach, please continue to learn. Please continue to learn. And if you continue to learn, the warmth and the light and the sparks of Torah will eventually bring you back. Because again, that warmth will spread to 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 uh, infect your entire essence, your entire being. And by mitzvahs, we don't say this. By mitzvahs, when you're doing a mitzvah, you don't have Hashem's essence in the core of that mitzvah as I'm doing the mitzvah. The mitzvah is Hashem's infinitude having made a descent to this world. Torah, there's no real descent. Torah is, the essence is just dressed up in, in, in a whole bunch of layers, but the, Hashem's infinitude is there in the middle as I'm learning Torah. We don't say the same thing with the mitzvahs. That's why Hashem's saying, taka, abandon the mitzvahs, but keep learning. Keep learning Torah. Um, and, and unfortunately though, in that era, the Jews stopped learning Torah. They weren't even learning Torah anymore. So they had no way of hooking them back. That's what Yermio was saying. Not only they abandoned me, but they're not even learning Torah anymore. They're not even learning Torah anymore. And that was the lament of Yermio. That halavai, at least keep learning because that'll bring you back. The moment you stop learning, then, you're, then, then that's when you indeed become hopeless. That's when you're hopeless. You have any connection. You have no more connection anymore. You have nothing to bring you back. Ravuna Amar Ravuna says a similar idea. A yid should always learn, even if he's not learning for the correct reasons, even if he's not learning immediately to connect with Hashem, he's learning because it's intellectually stimulating or whatever other reason it may be, everyone else is learning. A person should learn, should persist in learning, even if he's not currently learning for correct reasons. Again, a famous statement. Via learning for selfish reasons, you will end up learning for altruistic reasons. You will end up learning to bring you closer to God because the learning itself automatically, necessarily, brings you closer to God. By learning... I am gripping that mug that has Hashem's essence on the inside and that is warming. I feel that warmth and that will hook me. That will bring me back. That will bring me to learning Lashma. Am Rabbi Yeshua ben Levi B'chol yoyim v'yoyim baskol yoytes mehar choyrev Every day we had this recently in Pirkei Ovis in the sixth parak of Pirkei Ovis appears over there also. Every day a divine voice issues forth from Harsinai v'oymeris and says Oylem labriyas me'albayinu shatayro Woe is to all those Yidin all the, all the Jews from the shame of Torah, the shame of their neglect of Torah, the shame of their um, abandonment of Torah. Mm-hmm. And abandonment over here as well doesn't just mean they're not learning, it means the attitude of abandonment, the attitude of being dismissive of Torah, which we're going to see momentarily, we put that on hold, what does that mean that they were moyes, that, that they despise Torah, that they abandon Torah. We're, we're getting closer and closer to that, but we see that every day a, a heavenly voice issues forth from Harsinai and says, um, and says, you know, woe is to those who despise the Torah. Shmuel Tani Labashem Reb Shmuel Barami Eimosay Amachus Gezeres Gezeros Gezeros Matzlachas Says Shmuel, when can 
when can our enemies, when can the the local governments, governments that we have to live under in Gullus, when can the governments and the authorities make decrees on the Jews and their decrees work? When are we subject to persecution? When can Yin be persecuted in Gullus and those persecutions, those plans and, and um, decrees, evil edicts and decrees will succeed? When does Hashem let that happen to Jews in Gullus? When we throw Torah down to the ground, we take Torah, 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 and Torah study, and we cast it down to the ground. That's when that happens. That's the Pshan. That which it says, that the the armies are will 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 um, assault the continuous one, the eternal one, Bepesha through iniquity. We have to decipher that Pasuk. Ain Sava El Amalchus. is referring to the the um, secular government. It's referring to those who are in charge of us, who are who are not governing us with Torah interests, whether they be Jews or Goyim. It's referring to the Malchus who are attempting to persecute us. Shanem Ayifkad Hashem al Morim Bamorim. As it says Hashem will appoint a, a, a government, authorities over you to punish you. Hatamid, they'll be appointed over the eternal. What's that? Eli Yisrael, Dechsiv, Agisa, Bayam, Velayla. We're the continuous, the eternal one. We're supposed to be sitting and learning Torah continuously. Tefasha, through our iniquity, what's that? Bepisha Shotayra, through our iniquity and our wrongdoing when it comes to Torah study. When Kleisra throws Torah down to the ground, governments, those who are in charge, can make decrees and they will get away with it. They can persecute us. They can try to make life difficult for us and they will actually succeed. Truth has been cast down to the ground. Truth refers to Torah. We're told, says the Medrash, from what Daniel is telling us, is if the Yidden throw the Torah down to the ground, the government will be able to succeed. They'll be able to get us. They'll be able to persecute us. That's what Daniel goes on to say. Look, it's your fault. Look what you did to yourselves. That's why the government was able to succeed in um, making life especially difficult for Kla Yisrael. So now, we have arrived, Rabbi say, at a moment of truth over here in this discussion of truth. The Pasuk said, truth has been cast down to the ground. And we finally can put a lot of things together because we see something very interesting over here. See over here that again, we're not being told that the government will be able to succeed when we stop learning. It doesn't say we stop learning. That's when the government can, can succeed, can persecute us. It says the government will succeed when we throw Torah down to the ground. Take the term, we throw it on the ground. But what does that mean? It's has from taking a safer term and putting it on the ground. Nobody does that. Everyone knows... So one thing every Jew knows, you don't let the Sefer Torah fall. 40 days. That's right. Nobody wants that. 40 days fasting. It wasn't mean taking Chas Hashem, Svarim, Chumashim, Gemars, and throwing them on the ground. What is that supposed to mean, taking the Torah and throwing on the ground? No one's throwing the Torah on the ground. What does that mean? And why aren't we just saying, if you, if you don't learn, if you stop learning? So Torah says, Rabbi say, and here is the frightening insight that puts everything from this morning together. We are looking now, we finally arrived at the definition of what it means to despise learning and to abandon learning, what Kleisel did at the end of the Second Temple, and what Hashem was so upset about. 
and what allows the government, the ruling agencies and authorities to be able to persecute us and make life difficult for us. What does it mean to despise Torah? It means to throw it to the ground. doesn't mean to stop learning. We could be talking about people that are still learning, ostensibly. We're talking about people that are learning. We're not talking about people that stopped learning. That's clear. It doesn't say they stopped learning. It says they threw the Torah on the ground. What does that mean to throw the Torah on the ground? It means Torah is not a priority. Torah is not doesn't have primacy in our lives. It's not a do or die. To throw something on the ground means it's nice when I do it, but I don't have to do it. It can be done without as well. It's something that I can just like, you know, walk past, walk over, and walk right by, and, and not do it today. I can neglect it for a day. I can go without it for a day, for a week, for a month. I'll get back to it. Don't worry. I, I, I know where my bookmark is. I know exactly where I left off in this book over here. I'm going to come back to it. But I've thrown it on the ground in the meantime. Something you throw on the ground means it's not critical. The only things that we throw on the ground are things that are, are not absolute necessities. Right? Unless you're my kids. I know my kids throw everything on the ground. Right? The... Um, the uh, you know, you, last place you want to take your guests when you have when you're entertaining. Last place you want to take your guests is like that area of your backyard right below your deck, because that's where your kids just will throw everything and anything. It's 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 awful. It's awful. No, but please stay away from my backyard right by sight. It's it's awful. Looks awful back there. It's 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 it's, it's atrocious. It's crazy. And my kids just throw things on the ground. We're not talking about kids. Kids, will, little kids will throw anything. Damn, kids like to just throw things because it's fun to see what happens. But we're talking about adults. We're talking about adults. And the only thing that we'll throw on the ground are things that are not necessities, things that we can do without. Because the ground is a place where things, you know, are neglected, where things get get soiled, where things can get stolen. So you have a nice suit, you're not going to leave that on the ground. Yeah, you know, it's going to get dirty. So I'm going to step on it. You have your car keys, you're not going to leave your car keys on the ground. You see your car keys on the ground, well, I'm not going to leave those on the ground. What's going to happen to them? They're going to get lost. I can't afford to lose my car keys. Can't afford to lose them again. You're going to see them on the on the ground. You pick them up, but you see some junk mail on the ground. You leave that on the ground. I don't need that. That's not critical. That's not a necessity. A newspaper. Yeah, okay. Not the end of the world if I don't read today's paper. I read part of it already. It's not not the end of the world if somebody walks on that or if it gets thrown out because it's on the ground. Something that's not a necessity. That's not critical. It doesn't occupy primacy in my life. That's what we leave on the ground. That's what we throw to the ground. And this was what was going on in the end of the era of the Beis HaMikdash and what Klai Yisrael is being castigated for over here is that they took the turn, they, 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 they threw it to the ground, which means it was no longer a do or die. No longer occupied a prime role in their lives, a critical role in their lives, something that was high-level priority. It's something that's nice. We appreciate it. It's, it's enjoyable. But uh, we have other things going on too. We have a lot of things going on in our schedule, a lot of things going on in our day. And if, you know, we have to kind of squeeze something out of the way to make more room for an especially busy day. Okay, we'll just have to drop the Gemara Seder today. We'll have to drop the Mishnah Seder. We'll have to drop the Chumr Seder. We'll have to drop these things because they happen to be an especially busy day. The moment that Yid can do that, he's taking turn throwing it on the ground. Because Torah is a do or die. Torah is something that occupies a, a, a prime role and has primacy in our lives and 
that's the reality of the situation. And when someone understands what Torah is really all about, daily Torah study, constant connections to Torah, he understands that you can't go a single day without learning. And if I have my set time that I learn every single day, this, this is a do or die. This pushes everything else out of the way. This can't be moved. This is this is this is this is a mobile. This is not something that can that can that can go. You know, I wouldn't, and especially a busy day, I wouldn't go an entire day without eating. Maybe we would, we would eat less. Maybe we wouldn't go out to eat. We wouldn't go to a, to a restaurant. But but uh, eventually, I'm going to have to eat. I'm going to starve, and I can't even I can't work effectively. I can't work productively on empty stomachs. So maybe you know I'll eat on the fly. I'll eat on the go. But I'm going to eat that day. I'm going to drink. I'm going to drink. Terror is the same thing. Terror is our, not just our bread and butter. Terror is our food and drink. It's our food and water. Terror is our, 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 our life. It's our essence. And when we get that, we get the idea that it can never be thrown on the ground. Mm-hmm. We get the idea that it can never be neglected. You can't go even one day without opening up a gemara, without cracking open the savior. How could you do that? That's like going an entire day without eating. That's going an entire day without drinking. Nobody in their right mind would do that. And if you can do that... If you can do that, then you took something which is MS, truth, and you threw it on the ground, you don't grasp the the truth of that truth. You don't grasp the necessity of that truth. You don't grasp how much your life is dependent on that truth. And the gun can now come in and persecute us. What's the meat of Kanagamita that the gun can persecute us when we lose sight of that, you know, that reality check of how critical and primal the Torah is in our lives. Now the Goyim can persecute us. The Torah is, this is ultimately what separates us from the Goyim. What makes a Yid a Yid? What makes us Jewish at the end of the day? What makes a Jew a Jew? Not a homeland, because Jews have lived anywhere but Israel for thousands of years. Not a common language, the Rishonim say. Jews speak any language you want them to, and they'll speak it well. Not common customs, and modes of dress. You take the Hasidish Yid, and you take the Taimanish Yid, and take everybody in between. Jews adopt the styles and the, and, 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 and the mode of dress of wherever they live. What makes a Jew a Jew ultimately is Torah and only Torah. This is what makes us a Jew. This is what links us to eternity. And, and, and this is what it means to be really Jewish and to be the Am HaNivchar, to be the chosen nation, is the fact that we embrace Torah study. And this is what's universal. Any generation, any country, any area that we live in, any point in time, the universal common denominator between all yin through eternity is Torah. Torah and Torah study. If that's the case, if we really want to be Jewish and we want to have that Jewish protection, have that card of protection that we can play upstairs, we have to remain connected to Torah study. The moment we neglect, the moment we say that we can go by, we can get away with not learning one day, we can, we can get by with, with, with dropping our learning sessions, we're basically dropping our Jewishness. Is that, what, what else makes you Jewish but your learning? What else makes you Jewish but your Torah? We're able to drop that. We're able to, you know, throw that overboard. And Mita Kanegamita, the government are now able to persecute us. So we have no protection anymore. The government, well, you guys aren't Yidin anymore. If you guys want to be Jewish, you have divine protection. If you're like the rest of us, then you're subject to us. You're subject, you're at our mercy, at, at, at our, our women will. That's the Mita Kanegamita. So putting everything together, again, what we're being told is why, coming full circle, what we began with this morning, why were the Yidden <clears throat> so criticized towards the end of the 
Bayis Rishon, and why were we able to go into Galus, and why was the base of Mitzrayim able to be destroyed? Says, says the Medrash we saw, Hashem was prepared to overlook the three cardinal sins, but not the mi'us of Torah, not the neglect and abandonment of Torah. That means not as much as failure to learn, but failing to learn with the right attitude. What we failed in was our attitude of how Torah is critical. Torah can't be abandoned. It can't be abandoned. We have to take that literally. You were able to abandon it, meaning you could leave it by the wayside one day. That's abandoning the Torah. Able to throw it on the ground, we're saying it is dispensable. It's disposable. I can go a day without learning. That was what was going on towards the end of the Bayes Rishon. That's the tikkun that we have to make. We have to make Rabbi say, Torah is not disposable. It's indisposable. It's not dispensable. It's indispensable. And when we understand that, how our existence is linked in a critical way, in a necessary way, to our continuous connection to Torah, then we're turning the scene around. We're becoming people that are zayicha to the rebuilding of the base hamikdash. That will be zayicha to see the third base hamikdash. Bemeir v'yameinu, amen. And um, thank you all for joining. We should indeed be Zeicha to see Simchas Yerushalayim v'nechmas.